Good morning, everyone. So earlier this year, um, I did a couple of talks on shame and identity and about the freedom and the fullness that I think God is calling us into instead. And one of the things I talked about was how when people ask how we're doing, our, so our go-to response is often just to say that we're fine. And we hide behind the word fine rather than telling the actual truth about what might be going on in our lives. And I've been reflecting since then that there's another word that we use in very much the same way. There's another word that we use to deflect attention from different ways that we might be struggling. And that word, I think, is busy. People ask how we're doing, and we tell them that we're busy, and then they reply that they are also busy. And then we might try and make a date to see each other and realize that we might be free in Christmas 2021. And then, so then we run off again. We run off, and we go and be busy, and we've completely missed the opportunity to connect with another human being. We've missed the opportunity to see God in someone else and to see what he might be doing in their life. And I think our culture has reached a point where busyness has been glorified and is seen as a virtue. Our lives have become ruled by to-do lists and calendars and apps and notifications that are all supposed to help us manage our productivity. We're obsessed with efficiency and maximizing our time and doing as much as we can, as quickly as we can. We're stuck on tasks and I think it's costing our relationships and I think in some ways it is also costing us our health. So my radical suggestion for us this morning is that busyness is not a sign of the kingdom of God. I think there is a better story that God is calling us into. I think he set the world up with a much better paradigm than the one we're living. But let's not just take my word for it. Let's go back to the beginning of the story. So if you'd like to read along, I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And then I'm just going to hop to verse 15, where it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. 
So we can see in this passage that we have a God who is active. He is at work doing all sorts of brilliant and wonderful, amazing things. He is creating life where there was literally nothing. So I read about how God created humans, but before that, he's already created light and land and trees and creatures. He has been doing wonders. And every time he does something wonderful, he declares that it is good. And then he made us, and he declares that we are very good. And to me, there's just a sense of joy in the work that God is doing. He's delighted by it and excited about the work. Work is part of what we're called to because we are made in the image of a God who works. And God models the joy of work for us. And we miss that gift, I think, by filling our days with busyness from the second we wake up to the moment we go to sleep. So it's our culture of busyness that I'm bringing challenge to this morning, not the concept of doing work and of work and doing things. Because I don't think we're meant to do nothing all day long. Because we see right here in the story that God put Adam and Eve to work. He gave them work to do right there in the garden. He told them to be fruitful, to rule over the earth, and to work the garden where they live. So work is a gift of creation. It's not a curse from the fall. But as good as work can be, and as good as work is, Adam and Eve's first experience of the world was a day of rest. It was a day where God himself rested from all his work of creation. He rested and he called it holy. And so Adam and Eve start from a place of just being. All they had to do that day was enjoy God and creation and each other. Something of a cliche to say it, but they were human beings, not human doings. Rest is something that God has always taken seriously. When he gave Moses the law and the Ten Commandments for the people of Israel, keeping a day of Sabbath and stillness comes higher in the list than not murdering people. In Exodus uh, chapter 20, verse 8, God says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Us resting matters to God, because when we are settled in him and rooted in his presence, we are able to work in a healthy and fruitful way, in a way that looks like God's intended design for us, which he set up in creation. Work and rest are both important. And when I say work, I don't mean paid employment. I just mean all the good things that go towards building a life and building the kingdom of God. And that looks different in different life stages. It can mean going to school, studying, raising a family, leading a community, connecting with the needs of the place where you live, and bringing some, some of the light of Jesus to every age and stage. But somehow our narrative has shifted from holding work and rest in balance, and seeing both as good, to having work be the only important thing. We've shifted to seeing our value in all the things we do, rather than simply in who we've been called and created to be. And the consequence of that is living on the edge of burnout and breakdown. 
we have an enemy who is after us. He comes to kill and steal and destroy. And doesn't being overly busy, doesn't that feel like death? When I was doing my A-levels, I was doing extracurricular activities every single evening, except on Wednesdays. I did two on Thursdays, two on Saturdays, and two on Sundays. And I was doing four A-levels instead of three. And I was writing my essays at three in the morning and surviving on about four hours sleep a night. I spent the vast majority of my lunch and break times in the library working. I struggled to maintain any friendships because all I had capacity for was whatever was right in front of me. And often that was just work. It was work, work and stuff. And with my essays, I was bright enough to do a good enough job that no one stopped to see that I was drowning. I was stuck in just this endless cycle of defining and valuing myself by my activities and my achievements. So then when my A-level results finally came around, I got good results, but they weren't enough for either of my university places. And I, I remember being at school that day and just sobbing because I felt lost. I felt adrift. I felt like the floor had disappeared from under my feet because this track that I'd been on of doing stuff and achieving and going places, it was just gone. I'd placed my value in my ability to perform perfectly and it hadn't paid off. I, I didn't know how to define myself anymore. And I would like to say that I learned my lesson at that point that I readdressed my priorities and found a healthier way of doing life. Because that's how nice sermon illustrations work, right? You tie your story up in a nice bow and you turn it into a lesson. Um, but the truer thing to say is that was the start of a journey that I'm still on. So at that point, I got a job, worked all the hours, and did resat some modules, got my grades. Um, I eventually came to university the one just down the road, joined this church, I joined the gospel choir, I got involved with Kids Club, and I filled my days, and I filled my diary. And in some ways, this was probably worse than before, because this time, I was doing things for Jesus. So that meant it was great, right? I was doing all the right things. It didn't matter that I was exhausted, and not sleeping, and messing with my mental health, because it was all for Jesus. Um, as we might have foreseen, I, I had a breakdown and my little house of cards all came tumbling down again. And at that point, I had to stop. I, I stepped out of a bunch of things and it was a really costly time of life, but it was what I needed to do. I needed to stop and rest and get better so that I actually could learn a different way of being before I learned a different way of doing There are so many good things that we can be doing for Jesus, for building the kingdom. But as a very wise friend said to me this week, we don't have to do all the things all at once right now. There is time. There is time. When we get too busy and we have no time for rest, it becomes so easy to miss what God is doing in our own lives and in the lives of those around us. It becomes much more difficult to respond in the moment if Holy Spirit asks us to do something or go somewhere. 
I've had some situations in the past year where I've booked up every day for weeks at a time, but then I'll have a friend who has a crisis or a need, and I've had no capacity to respond to that. Like, how bad is it to say to someone that you love that you appreciate that they're in crisis right now, but how about we have lunch in two weeks' time, because that's my next gap? To me, that isn't life in community. That isn't me living a life where Jesus is Lord. That's me living a life where my diary is the boss of me. And that is, that is not a life I want to live. So I am very definitely not standing here as someone who has their work and rest balance all sorted out. This is something that I am very much still working on. And I say my work and rest balance rather than my work-life balance quite intentionally because I think work is part of the life we're called to and made for. So while I'm not sorted, I am committed to the idea of resting well and challenging all of us into resting well as well. Because it's from that place of rest and abiding in God that we're able to go out and be fruitful and then return to God and rest in him again. I think it's a pendulum swing that goes back and forth. If a pendulum is swinging, it doesn't stop at either end of the journey, but it just goes between the two points. I think a healthy life is one that swings between work and rest, work and rest, work and rest, because there is work to do. Nowhere in the Bible does Jesus say, blessed are the busy. But he does say, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. We have work to do in bringing peace and justice and mercy to a world that is desperate for all of those things. But we can only do that well from a place of restedness in Jesus. If we look at John chapter 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. In the space of 11 verses, Jesus uses the word remain 11 times. Our fruitfulness, our fruitfulness comes from resting and abiding in Jesus and in his love for us. In the creation story, we see that there is joy in work and creativity. And here we see that there is also joy in rest. 
I said earlier that the definition of work is different in different life stages, and I think the same is true of rest. I think rest will look different to each and every one of us. So painting with some really broad strokes, introverts might find it more restful to be alone or with a small group of people, or extroverts will gain energy by being around lots of people. I find reading to be a really restful activity because it stops my brain wearing a million miles a minute. Um, but Dave, my boyfriend, finds that a really odd choice and much prefers to be active and to go and jump in the sea. This is a specific example where we had a very interesting conversation to work out some relationship dynamics. <laughs> so, to be honest, I, f- I, find, I find rest difficult. I'm an introvert who lives in a community house full of people. I can see my place of work from my bedroom window. And I have an extroverted boyfriend who quite enjoys seeing all the people all of the time. And it's, it's easy to get lost in that whirlwind. But I also know that I'm a better human being when I'm rested. I'm better at my job. I'm a better friend, girlfriend, housemate, sister, daughter, whatever else, when I've taken the time to rest in God and be restored and rejuvenated rather than burning out under my own steam. When I abide in God, I find abundance. Busyness does not help my relationship with God or my relationship with other people. It doesn't help me be missional. It doesn't help me tell other people about Jesus. It's so difficult to respond to the whispers of Holy Spirit when your reminders app is yelling at you to get 12 things done before breakfast. As the children of God, we get to live a better story than the one that is lived by the world. We get to rest and we get to carry joy in the work we are doing rather than slogging through our working week and counting off our days until the next weekend or the next holiday. So my final question this morning is, what are we going to do about this? It's really easy to hear a nice talk on a Sunday morning and then do nothing about it. We can go from this place and do another year of working and just work until we drop and get to next summer desperate for a holiday. It's a familiar pattern and it's one that we know how to do really, really well because it's how we've lived. It's how we know how to make life work. But I think we get to choose to do something different. I think we get to choose to work with God on what he's doing and we get to start choosing rest in our lives. We can start a revolution that disrupts the lies that we've gotten stuck in. The lies that say that our worth and identity is all, is all in the things that we do, rather than who we are. So Debbie and the worship band, if you would like to come back. The band are going to sing a song over us. And whilst they're singing, in all of your seats you should find a piece of paper and hopefully a pen. Um, I can grab some more from the office if we need them. And what I'd like you to do is ask Holy Spirit, what is the one thing, what is the one practice of rest that I can choose to bring into my life? It might be, I am going to choose to take my lunch break instead of working through it. I'm going to leave my phone outside my bedroom so I'm not 100% connected to all the people all of the time. Or I'm going to leave at least one weeknight free in the week I'm going to prioritise quality time with someone who, whose company is life-giving and restful. 
These, these are just some ideas. These are things that I've been thinking about. Um, and I bet Holy Spirit has a thousand more ideas. And when you're finished, put that piece of paper in your pocket or your purse or your handbag and take it home. Don't leave it here. Keep it as a tangible reminder that the rest is what God has for us. Rest is what he has for us. During worship, God reminded me, I was, I was thinking about how we would respond to this, and God reminded me that I stuck up on the wall of the office um, just a pretty picture with the, word, with the words from the Bible that say, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and you will find rest for your souls. That is the truth of what God has for us. He has rest for us. In the middle of everything that we're doing, what he has is rest. Um, so I will pray for us, and then I will hand over to Debbie.